God, we are thankful for for your love for us. We are thankful for the gift of Jesus, the life that he led, the victory that he claims over death in his resurrection. Most of all, God, we are grateful that for those of us who have put our trust in you, that your Holy Spirit dwells within us, guiding us, teaching us, leading us, comforting us when we face darkness, walking with us through the valley. God, you are there. Your faithfulness endures forever. Your loving kindness endures forever. Your word endures forever. Your love for us endures forever. That is a great thing. And we recognize that when we come in here and, and we're carrying so many things, God, so many things weighing on our shoulders, you know them all. But what's better than that, you walk with us through those dark times. You help us carry those burdens. We can always turn to you. And I pray, God, that in these moments that we have together, that you would remind us of your presence for those of us who have put our trust in you. For those who haven't, God, I pray that you would that you would just show yourself loving and awesome and powerful, that you would um, speak to those of us who need to hear your voice, maybe for the first time. They need to hear that you are listening, that you care for us. God, we thank you uh, that we can gather. We thank you that we can worship you. And I pray that you would speak to us as we continue to worship, as we continue to listen and seek you, that you would reveal yourself. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, who brings us to the throne, who makes us worthy. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning, New Cove. It's so good to see you. Thank you, Dane. So, uh, there is a verse that I want to share with you that uh, for the next several weeks, I want to start the service with it, and then it'll make sense here in just a moment. It's found in Hebrews 2, chapter 1, and it says this, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. This imagery is of drifting is that of a boat passing by its destination and not realizing it. It's the same idea of something has slipped from the memory. Those of you that are my age and more understand what I'm talking about. It's a frightening word because... Loss is happening imperceptibly. We just drift away from it. We pay no attention, and we're not alerted, and we don't reach the destination. And so what I want to do over the next several weeks, what I'd like to do is to share with you what I remind you uh, to take time for us to... uh, to the the purpose of New Cub. And there are numerous things I want to reiterate. And and by the way, I'm not being passive-aggressive when I say 
I want to share with you some things that are coming, and I'm afraid you're drifting. Uh, drifting happens imperceptibly, and so uh, that, I just want to say, this is something that each of us has to decide on ourselves and be open to God and say, God, is this true? So I want to remind you of the truths that shape New Cove, that makes New Cove the place to be, because it's not about us, it's about the kingdom of God. And so what I want to do is I want to, my heartfelt desire is for New Cove, I want to talk about knowing God. And one of the evil's tactic, and you think about this, if, if the ultimate goal is for us to know God and make him known, know God and make him known, then the evil one wants to do something very sly and sneaky to get us to drift away from knowing God for pursuing him. And I think about the evil one's tactic typically is not for us to go uh, rob someplace, right? I mean, if, if you are thinking that, talk to me after church. There's somebody I need you to talk to. But what he, what he tempts us to do is to use God for our own purposes. That it's kind of that genie Jesus. It's that vending machine that if you put in enough good works, then out he owes you something. And, and we can fall, find ourselves using God. Uh, some of it called transactional relationship. Uh, over the last series, we talked about uh, the whole idea of, of uh, what was the word? I just went blank. I'm drifting away from my notes. <laughs> Rats. Anyway, transactional relationship. Jesus plus. Oh, my word. Good grief. So the, the temptation is for us to use Jesus plus something else. And what I want to do is help us not marginalize God in our lives. And so today what I want to talk about is how we make him preeminent in our lives by knowing him. So you're not surprised. Welcome to the best series ever. The best is yet to come. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 11. I want to know Christ. And, and Paul, he wants to know Christ. And the word know means in a complete sense, in a personal experience, not a hydroplaning over, but it is a, a deep knowledge of him. So back to Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. And, and, and when you know him, you experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Because we live in a fallen world, we need power beyond us. And the beauty of this is when you know God, you experience this power that takes you through whatever storm you may go through. In, in uh, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's, a, there's an open door. Your death is not the end. And so as he's with us, he, he gives us this power, this resurrected power. So we want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now that is knowing God. So how do you know him? That's what I want to talk about today. It begins with acknowledging who's calling the shots in our lives. Everything rises and falls on who is sitting on the throne. Everything. In fact, if we get today, if we apply, and it includes me, if we apply what this message is, everything else will fall right into place. Everything. 
Because it all begins on who is on the throne of your life. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 6. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Look at the possessive pronoun, it's not my. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to focus on your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Because the Bible really is a story about kingdoms in opposition with one another. This kingdom fight rages in the soul, rages in the heart, rages in the mind. And there will never be a truce. There will never be a truce. One kingdom leads you to the king of all kings and the other sets you up as king. You either pray that God's kingdom will come, that his will be done, or you pray my will, my rights be done. And this happens to believers, not just non-believers. And the reason for this is sin. Because sin, it's such a radical movement. It anoints ourselves as kings. We know what we want, when we want, how we want it, where we want it, and who is to deliver it. I know you can't identify with this, but I do. Jesus came to free us from our bondage to our own self-serving kingdoms. Man, to know God is that whatever experience comes that you get to the place where you think, not how will this benefit me, but how will this glorify God? The paradoxical consequence is that the, the more we live for God rather than for ourselves, the more we position ourselves to experience God's best for our lives. Think about that. It's, it's a paradox. It just doesn't make sense. Less of you means more of God in your life. The more we position ourselves to experience God's best for us when we say, your kingdom come, or your will be done. So there's perhaps no more crucial human thought process than this. If I had blank, then I would be happy. Fill that in for just a second. If I, currently, if I had blank, then I would be happy. That didn't take long. Okay, brace yourself. I say this recognizing it applies to me as well. Whatever fills in that blank will compete with the Lord for control of your heart. And whatever controls your heart will shape and direct your thoughts and behavior. This is why the kingdom is so important that we get that nailed. That we, and again, it's, it's, it's hit and miss. I, I realize that. Uh, every day I, I fall into my will be done. But, the, but the, the goal is for us to, to correct that. I heard it put this way. If you want to get along with God, stay off his throne. <laughs> to know God. Here's uh, a kingdom prayer. And if you are tired of me talking about kingdom prayers, then read it. It is a great version study. Uh, it's, it has just grabbed my heart. 
Lord, please open my heart to love what you love, to hate what you hate, to desire what you desire. I mean, that alone, uh, Karen and I spent a couple days just on that one part of that study. God, please open my heart to love what you love, to hate what you hate, to desire what you desire. Let me be a conduit of blessing. Make know God, make him known. As a stranger on earth, let your kingdom culture be modeled in me as a stranger, as a strange and wonderful curiosity. Wouldn't that be awesome if 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 people were around you said, There's something curious about you. Not weird, curious. How do you respond to these issues that are going on in your life? How do, how, do you, how do you keep hope in a world that seems to be going crazy? How do you deal with things that are out of your control? Well, that's, that is a curious thing to see how people do that. Well, it's by the, experiencing the power of the resurrection of Christ in my life, in your life. That's what makes us curious people. Help me keep my eyes fixed on the open heavens so that I may always respond, I might be always responsive to your will and your ways. Make me sensitive to your direction and intention. Anitra, I'm going to go back up to one other quote there. The greatest way Satan can attack is by convincing you that you are the center of the universe, the point of reference. And that God's role is to be your 24-7 cosmic consultant and personal genie. That is what we drift towards that if we're not, if we're not careful. So I want to read a little bit of a story that, uh, of drifting. And listen to how the disciples were drifting here. Leaving that region, this is in Mark 9. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anybody to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. Spend more time with his disciples and teach them. That's huge. So he begins to teach them. He said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, but they were afraid to ask what he meant. Verse 33, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked disciples, what were you guys discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. <laughs> Walking with Jesus. Walking, see, see how easy it is to drift. Oh, my word. Who's the greatest? Clearly, the disciples don't fully grasp what's going on. They don't ask questions. But they didn't even show any signs of grief or dismay. It just revealed about, they just want to know who's, who's the greatest in the moment. Their claustrophobic kingdom of one conf, conf, conflicted and collided with God's kingdom of glory. It's so easy to drift if we're not careful. And it's just one thing after another. Satan just wants to slowly move you away from not depending on him. Just marginalize God. Not throw him out, but just marginalize him. 
So let me give you, how do we know if we're drifting? Let me give you uh, a couple things to think about. We focus too much on self. When your prayers are all about yourself. Again, nothing wrong with praying because the Lord says, you know, that we're to ask for our daily bread. So I'm not, I'm not down on casting all your care upon God because he cares for you. He cares deeply about you. But if all your prayers are about gimme, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need, be careful because you can tend to put your needs on the throne. If only I had blank, then I would be happy. If only I had blank or didn't have blank, I would be happy. We ask too much of people. We have these unrealistic expectations of people around us that they're to deliver only what God can deliver. Again, nothing wrong with having close relationships. We're talking about connecting. We need one another. People need to be seen, need to be noticed, they need to be heard, they need to be cared for, absolutely. But when you find yourself depending on, your happiness depends on somebody else's action, heads up, that you may be headed towards a drift. Number three, we're too controlling and fearful. Two sides of one coin, controlling and fearful. Typically, when you are fearful, those of us that are control enthusiasts to take, take, try, do whatever it is to get things to play out the way we want it to play out. Instead of casting all your care upon God. Number, number four, we question the goodness of God. Okay. Uh, full disclosure here. Uh, that has transpired in my life. You want to know why New Cove is messy? Because they have a messy leader. But I had to come... I had to come to a place where either I decide God is good and I don't understand him in all things, but he's a good God, or he can't be counted on, that he's a distant God, that he doesn't give a rip. And I came to the conclusion He's an awesome God. And he can be counted upon. But be careful when you question the goodness of God. I questioned his plan. He did not. I gave God a plan and he didn't seem to follow through with it. Good grief. And I keep updating the, the list. <laughs> uh, your will be done. Your will be done. Uh, number five, we're more disappointed than thankful. 
if you find yourself just being grumpy and negative. By the way, nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> just saying. I mean, do you ever think, man, I need more grumpy people in my life? <laughs> no. Being more disappointed than thankful. Wow. Thankful. Just, just life itself has so much to give thanks to God for. The gifts he's given us, the talent he's given us, the relationships he's given us, the desires we have. The desire to keep growing. Oh, my word. I'm so grateful that, uh, that my mind is still such that I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to read as much as I can. There's, I'm still curious about things. And grateful for that. Number six, we lack motivation and hope. We just, it's, it's very t closely tied to being grumpy. Let me let you in on a secret. Your heart is made to know God. Your heart is made for the kingdom of God. That's why if we get that right, your kingdom come, may what's going on up there happen and be played out here. Oh, my word. That, if we get that right, everything else falls into place. Everything. Okay. So how do you sign up for the kingdom of God, right? There ought to be a way to do it other than you just look, being careful not to be grumpy, right? So John 3.30, Jesus says this. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Sounds good on a Sunday morning. What does that look like on a Monday? Let me introduce you to a new term that I learned from the one, the book called The One and Only. It's called theopraxy. Theo, meaning God. Praxy means practice. So literally, it is God practice. God practice is a lifestyle that seeks to know Christ, to imitate him, to seek God's kingdom here it is, and to view everything in life from God's perspective. It requires a desire to live in total concord, concord with and submission to his will, his ways, his purposes, his character, his nature, his desires and thoughts. Or summing it up, it is doing God's work in God's way and God's timing by God's enabling. Look at the it's about him, it's about him, it's about him. So let me give you three observations about theopraxy. The theopractic life is simple, just not easy. Because here comes self wanting to control things. Or to freak out over things. Or to be demanding of things and other people. It's simple, it's just not easy. Number two, the theopractic life requires learning to recognize God's voice. And we'll talk about that next week. How do, how do we best know God's will and God's voice? We'll talk about that. Nothing new. It's just being reminding you of the truth so that we don't stray away from it and drift. 
So it's knowing God's voice and doing what he says. He will ask you only what he will enable you to do because he's a good God. Okay, and the last, the theopractic life involves turning from devotion to or reliance on anything other than God to worshiping and depending on him alone. Wow. Simple, not easy. Okay, so how do you do that? More of him, less of me. How do I know if I'm, if there's more of him and less of me? Well, let me close with Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And then point out anything in me that offends you, that is self-kingdom. Point out anything in me where I'm sitting on the throne and you're not. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me in a kingdom lifestyle. So it's, it's, a, it's a daily practice saying, God, search my heart. Is there someone or something sitting on the throne other than you? And how do I listen to your voice and do what it says? I need help. Well, remember, God won't call you to do anything that you're incapable of doing with his resurrected power in you. Okay. This is the last time I will use kingdom prayers from here on out. I will use it in a passive-aggressive way. But this prayer just fits so well. Infuse my heart with so much love for you that there's no room left for love of anything else. Oh, I want that. It's just, it just, this is an exchange that takes place daily. He's on the throne, I'm on the throne. He's on the throne, I'm on the throne. He's on the throne, I'm on the throne. But infuse my heart with so much love for you that there's no room left for the love of anything else, including the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. By faith, may I more clearly perceive your voice and your activity in my life and in the world. Each day, may I I more clearly understand your will on earth in order that I might pursue it until that day when it's done here as in heaven. Prepare me for life in the new creation through a deeper walk with you. A more thorough conformity to your ways, a grander perception of your purposes, an increasingly renewed life in your kingdom. Be glorified in me and through me, I pray. That's the kind of church New Cub is and will be if we don't drift. His kingdom, not our kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we do not want to drift from the truth that we've heard from you in your word. And Father, I... It, it, it worries me, not about New Cub, but it just worries me that in my own life that 
maybe I would drift and not even realize it. So I pray that you would search my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be anything displeasing in your sight, and then lead me in the everlasting way. And Father, I pray that that would be the prayer that all of us would pray. May we live with a God practice, a God view of life the rest of this day. May we start our day out that way. And Father, if there is an exchange of seats on the throne, remind us, tap on on them, tap on the on our hearts, that we would realize that somebody, something, or something new is on the throne that doesn't belong. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.